stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm joined by Zach's chief equity strategist, John Blank, to talk about what's happening in the economy and with the summer stock rally. Should you take profits here? It's looking a little shaky to me. You might want to, but we're going to talk about it. So let's start with the economy, John. We've had two quarters of declining GDP. I think the last time you were on the podcast when we talked about the recession question, we were talking about the GDP, how it wasn't the final deciding factor about the recession. We did get another decline. Nobody's, you know, most people are saying we're not in it. The job market's holding up well. I've been looking at the uh, Challenger Grain Christmas data because a lot of people on Twitter and social media keep telling me, but Tracy, there's these layoffs happening, you know, almost every day. And we are getting some more layoff announcements, it seems like right now. But if you actually look at the Challenger Grain Christmas data, we're actually well below last year on the actual announcements. So they don't they don't cover, you know, who's claiming unemployment and all that stuff. But I took a look at the data and they have through July 159,000 jobs were cut this year. Now that's down 31% from last year where through July 2021 it was 231,000. And then this year through January through July, that total time period is the lowest number of job cut announcements since 1993, which is when Challenger Grain Christmas first started tracking these announcements. And then interestingly, everybody thinks, oh, tech, it's, it's all happening in tech, but it was actually auto that is now leading in the number of job cut announcements. It was 25,000 through July with about 9,500 in July. And then we just heard from Ford that they just announced another 3,000 here in August. And then number two category wasn't even technology. It was financial firms. They've laid, they've made the announcements of about 12,900 or so, so far this year. And most of those are in the title area, mortgages, things having to do with real estate where it's slowed dramatically and mortgage brokers are being laid off. So John, when you look at like data like this, what, you know, what should I be taking away from what's going on in the economy right now? Like as, as an investor and someone, um, you know, who is concerned about the job market maybe and just the economy in general. Yeah, so let's take these last two in turn here and I'll get your answer to my question. So Ford got eliminated some jobs. Um, what does that tell you about Ford, good or bad? Well, I don't know in this this type of uh, market conditions because I know that there's still the chip issue and these other things going on. I know that there's shutdowns in some factories, you know, overseas that might be impacting how many cars they can build in the U.S. So I don't know. It's it it's maybe telling me that they still have supply chain issues. Right. So what you're learning here is Ford's going to put the F-150 Lightning out and they're putting a ton of pressure on themselves to raise the profit margin 
on that vehicle at a time when their cost of production of that vehicle is going up because of the supply chain issues, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that's a good example where you're seeing them make a tough business decision to improve a business model, but it's actually bullish because if the F-150 works and is profitable, and that's the big key for these electric vehicles is they're profitable, then Ford itself will massively grow in the years ahead. So again, that's a, a story of a structural change, right? Structural change. Right. And, you know, it has a relationship to the, the policy effects of the COVID pandemic, as you brought to, to the table. Um, but it also has longer term effects, climate change and, you know, the gas story. So there's a number of ways to to bring yourself around to understanding that the Ford numbers and, and basically writ large, all the vehicle production numbers are telling you a story that's, that's inconclusive about the economy. Right. It's not right, a summary right, statistic. Correct. It's a sector. It's a big sector, but it's a yeah. sector. So we've tried to make this point to a lot of people, but summary statistics of the economy are relevant for the economy. And if it's not at the economy level and a summary statistic of it, then it really doesn't it doesn't not matter, but it doesn't matter for the purposes of diagnosing recession. Now the second one you brought up, which was the title companies in the banks cutting back. Yeah. Yeah. Why is this happening, Tracy? Well, the housing market is taking a tumble. Right, because the, <laughs> because the rise of mortgage rates. Right. So the Federal Reserve System, as we all know, will have the Fed funds rate at 3.5 or 3.75 here by the end of the year. And you put you know, that into the 10-year Treasury context, it's about three. You tack on two and a half to the 10-year Treasury, you get a mortgage rate at five and a half, probably by the end of the year, six. And that tanks anybody who's trying to put up a mortgage uh, lien on a house, and that tanks the mortgage people who issue those liens. So again, is that a good story? Obviously, this is part of the slowdown that the Fed is trying to engineer. Um, it will be reflected, again, just like the auto thing, at the highest level. But again, it, it is not a summary statistic. It is a sub group of businesses that are being influenced negatively at this point in time. And we just have to watch out to see how or whether even if it spreads further, it's pre-planned, it's pre-packaged, and it's actually wanted by the Federal Reserve System. So again, to get everybody back to where we always end up, and it's to the summary statistics, so I will read you the July employment situation summary for the total non-prom payroll, just to okay. put this in context. I'm just reading this verbatim from July, the fr first Friday of the month, uh, in August, it came out two weeks ago. Total on-form payroll employment rose by 525,000 in July, and the unemployment rate edged down to 3.5%. The Euro Bureau of Labor Statistics reported today, job growth was widespread. Let me repeat that. Job growth was widespread, led by gains in leisure and hospitality, professional business services, and healthcare, uh, which, of course, none of those are what we've been talking about. Both total on part payroll employment and the employment have returned to their pre-February 2020 levels, pre-pandemic. Now, if we go all the way to the bottom, we also tell people to do this. We want to look for the revisions to the last few months because obviously these numbers come out the first week of any month. 
And they actually, you got to remember, the Federal Reserve, the, the Bureau of Air Statistics, trying their best to get the data out as soon as possible. But if you ask for them to do it in three or four days after a month rolls over, they're going to have some lags in quality of the data. They fixed this. So this is the real story that we really need to care about. It's the very last paragraph. It says, the change in total non-farm payroll for May was revised up by 2,000 to 386,000. And the change for due was revised up by 26,000 to 398,000. So you have May at 386,000, you have June at 398,000, and you have July at a, a preliminary 528,000 job additions. So, Tracy, having said that to you, are we in a recession? No. No, the answer is no. no. Yeah. I want everybody to understand when they're going out to tee off with their friends, this is how you answer the question, and it's not a debate. Trady C and I are not going to debate this today. We are not in a recession, period. There is not even a discussion of this matter. What's only going to be discussion is how often Tracy and I look at this monthly non-farm payroll data until we see something in that summary statistic that concerns us. But Tracy's only answer that I would have accepted today, and Tracy wasn't going to give me any other than no, we're not in a recession, period. So that brings us to the final point of any of these discussions. Why on earth are we having to discuss a country's economy that's actually quite strong with a 3.5% unemployment rate as though there's a recession going on? That's the real question, Tracy, and why yeah. do you think that is? I don't know. Everybody is just thinking the doom and gloom because every time the Fed has raised in the past, it has pushed us into a recession for the most part. Right. So everybody's anticipating one to come. Right. That, this is the, I'm glad you said that because I just, you know, I, last yeah, I, I was a friend of mine who I was walking down this beach in Santa Barbara last weekend and I, we set an hour long for him to finally come to realize there's two different questions that are getting people confused by. Are we in a recession is a factual statement at the moment. The answer is no. What has been gotten in front of everybody is, will we go into a recession because of what the Fed's doing? That is unfortunately not answerable because it's out in the future, right? Right. Probably everybody loves to do since markets, financial markets in particular, stock markets are probably the most looking ahead 12, 16 months. They've already discounted this information for you. So yeah. the question is, does the stock markets decline and the Federal Reserve's interest rate hikes bring about a soft landing or not? And that answer is somewhere 12 to 16 months from now. So the discussion most people are having has actually been priced in by these financial markets. And the answer is inconclusive, and it's somewhere out at the end of next year that this market's looking at. Not even. This is the other thing that's fascinating about these discussions is when you say when in the future, every time you deal with this, it's been a few more months, it's been a few more weeks, and you're moving and the markets keep on looking further and further ahead. Right now, if you're thinking about financial markets, stocks, everything, this market's pricing in what's going to happen at the end of 2023, early 2024 now. That's a long way away. It is. And I think most people are going to realize just like, you're sitting in a market that's priced in something that's a year, year and a half out. And okay. that's why people can get more bullish than you'd think because it's entirely possible that we have a decline in, you know, uh, you know, some type of macroeconomic variable in the first half of next year. And, you know, this market's already looked beyond it. 
Okay, so what do you make of the summer rally that we've had then? That that is the part that the market's looking beyond? Well, first of all, the market doesn't have to be pricing in the macroeconomic situation. That the biggest problem right now is people are thinking that, you know, it's yes, it's a soft landing or no, it's a soft landing. The stock market is only concerned about that. That's not true. The market in the stock market context can price, particularly today, just basically on the 10-year treasury rate. And if the treasury treasury rate goes up, for whatever reason, then the stock market will go down. And so, okay. and that can happen right now and it can happen in the next few months. So we can have a tanking stock market here the next four months if the 10-year treasury goes to 4%. We will yeah, have a tanking sure. stock market, right? Yeah. And that has nothing to do with the economy again. That will certainly take down those bank title jobs you already talked about. It will yeah. probably put some pressure on, you know, auto finance and other areas. Um, and it will certainly cut down on the wealth of people's 401ks. But that has to do, again, we're, we would then at, you know, end of the year, if that if that indeed did happen, then we would look to the non-farm payrolls then to see if we could net out what really at the aggregate macro level happened to the economy from this. But the point is we can have a tanking stock market because the Fed's raising rates so rapidly. In the next four months, and that does not mean we're going to go into recession. It might be a recession. I'm not saying it won't be a recession, but I'm saying it is just financial market related, and financial markets do disentangle themselves from the economy, and they do care a lot about the tenure right now. We know this, and that's really what's driving stocks. And so, yeah, we get a tenure treasury of four percent. Forget your stocks are going down. What do you think about some of the manufacturing data that we're getting? You know, we've had like a a big slide in empire manufacturing. Chicago PMI went negative last month for the first time since 2020. And people are starting to look at that manufacturing data again. Um, is this just kind of a fake out uh, like we saw in 2015, 2016, when all the manufacturing data went negative? There was a manufacturing recession that went on but it never spread to the overall economy. Is, is that a possibility on the manufacturing side? Well, yeah, I think, you know, we got to understand that it took, you know, 16, 18 months, maybe 24 months of COVID pandemic shutdowns, and that there was a process that went through those 24 months. And now we're having a kind of a mirror, you know, mirror process. I don't know, mirrors, maybe not the right word, but a process of another 18 to 24 months. It's unwinding that repression. So yeah. the first thing that's going down here is the manufacturing because it went up first. Right, and then the right. inventory is built back up within the manufacturing, not within their customers, but within the manufacturers themselves. Yeah, mm -hmm. And that's the first stage in lower port costs, lower port shipping, and lower prices. Which So it's actually, again, part of a slowdown. But again, uh, the services and the consumption rates are you know 75% of the economy. This is just the more volatile, more immediate thing. And it's also very um, linked to this COVID pandemic play out, which is unique in the last hundred years. And it has to be reminded that, you know, again, we have to understand that this is sort of what one could interpret happening after you shut manufacturers down for so long that they'll ramp up and then they'll slow down again. That makes sense. Uh, I think people read a little too much into the manufacturing as for the overall economy, at least. Right. It's the same problem we talked about over and over again, which is people read and then they think that's going to be this economy wide thing. And the economy is the yeah. aircraft carrier. 
And yeah, you may not, on the fifth floor of the aircraft carrier, the food may be lousy in the cafeteria and everybody may be sick, but there's, you know, the aircraft carrier is going to still carry on. Right, right. And that's what really struggles with most people and why we try to get people back to summary statistics that are current, not trying to look too far into the future because you can't see any better. It's already priced in it and not taking so many of these sector stories, dramas as some kind of clean play and understanding of the macro economy. They really aren't because you're only looking at one little thing. So everybody's getting sick in the fifth floor of the aircraft carrier because the food stinks, but the aircraft carrier has 30,000 people and those guys don't even matter and nobody cares. It's, it reminds me a little bit of what is happening in retail. You know, there's it's so diverse, the stories within retail right now. It, even uh, along of grocery is doing X, Y, Z, but apparel stinks. Or beauty is soaring, but handbags are on the down. You know, like it's so unique to each individual and even the type of customer that they have that we're not really getting an overall idea from the retailers like we thought we would. We thought it would be just the retailers. And it was this this one sector that was going to tell us what the consumer was doing. But now it turns out that that's not possible because different consumers are behaving differently under these inflationary conditions. And, you know, it's it's not a one story thing with that entire sector anymore. Totally agree with that statement you just made. And that, that, but just remind yourself how carefully more nuanced your language was when you described it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the other thing I tell people to watch out for is, uh, you know, these discussions, if they aren't referencing actual current material in a verbatim way and people are not using specific and careful language, they're just talking their book. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because like you've said, there actually is no discussion today, and I mean this. I'm not trying to be a jerk, right or left. You know, I'm, there is no recession, period, at all in the United States right now, period. There's no discussion. And I think that's why people are a little shocked when we got that 528,000 job number, because they were uh, in their minds saying, we're in a recession, and then that number came out, and it just, you cannot, it doesn't jive. So they were like shocked by it. Yeah. And I, I'm, I'm like everybody else who lost, you know, a couple hundred thousand in my 401ks um, from the stock right. market collapse. Um, but uh, since I am an economist, I understand that's done because the Fed did it. And, you know, this is not to be interpreted. So just for example, when an economist sees something like that happen to their portfolio in their retirement, the, the, the typical multiplier is one to 20. One to 20. So only 5% of what happened to me is going to be affected in my income. So if I lost 200,000, that means $10,000 hit on my income this year relative to everything else I'm making. Right. Okay. Yeah. So what does that mean? Basically, I ignored it. I'm not thrilled with it, (laughs) but it's not killing me either. And it certainly didn't, didn't change any of my current income patterns whatsoever. Right. But the pessimism will be reflected in the Michigan consumer sentiment indicators uh, because of the stock market collapse. You know, consumer sentiment indicators always track stock markets. 
And you're always also going to feel some, if you're a lower income person, which you brought to the table, you're going to feel shocked at the kind of prices you're paying for standard goods in supermarkets and, you know, hardware stores and whatnot. That will be a real issue for, and it will also be picked up by consumer sentiment indicators. So that's not to say just because the economy is not in a stressful situation overall, that great swaths of it are in stressful situations because they are right oh for sure yeah and that that again this gets into the discussion we are having and need to have which is you know just because i'm blessing the idea there's no recession doesn't mean i bless the idea there's no stress correct yes two different things two different things okay so let's let's switch gears a little bit and just talk real quick about this summer rally We've seen some big gains in in certain types of stocks. A lot of the beaten down stocks, some of the FANG names are up big or FANG man names, I should say. So Apple's up 22% in the last three months. Netflix is up 21%. Microsoft up almost 10% in there. And then uh, speaking of retail, several or numerous of the retailers up really big in the last three months so crocs i tracked that one it's up 38 percent deckers is up 29 percent uh one that you owned in one of your portfolios that i saw you you're selling out williams and sonoma up 52 percent over the last three months dick sporting goods up 45.8 percent and they just reported earnings and raised guidance Uh, So there are some good things going on. I know Crocs had a strong report. Deckers did. We're still waiting when we record this on August 23rd. Williams and Sonoma is about to report earnings, but that should still probably be pretty solid too. Um, So should I be selling here? You're selling some of yours, I see. Uh, (laughs) Should I I be getting out on this kind of big rally in some of these names? I mean, it's big. Yeah, well, I you as you know, I took profits on Dix and WSM for my portfolio reference. Actually, they're up sixty yeah. percent in three months, right? Right. So that that is just typical trading. I'm trading it. I'm just saying, look, um, I'm selling the news on everything being fine because I told you several months ago when we did this that was fine, and I bought those stocks then, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. And now I'm just yeah. getting out of them because everybody's going to overinterpret this. I'm just going to make money for people. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the short-term trade, right? That that's is short-term trade. Right? This is the other thing people got to understand. Guys, if you're looking ahead, then I'll just say, sure, Dix had a good report. I told you that was happening. I'm not yeah. worried about Dix. I wasn't worried about Williamson. I'm still not. I'm just getting out of the trade on the news. I'm also getting out of the trade because I think that the fair value of the S&P 500 is somewhat around where it is now. And okay. the shorts are going to pile on these stocks. And I just want to close out 60% gains in three months for, for my traders. So, but you're basically saying you don't really believe that this rally is going to hold either. No, because I think ultimately yeah. I cannot countenance. I think we're in a kind of interregnum in August because the Federal Reserve is going to meet in, in September and November, the last of this year. So we've been giving a blessed without having actual rate hikes, not discussions of them, but actual ones. And when those actual rate highs hit in September and, and November, and we're going to get another 100 basis points out of those two meetings, then the Fed funds rate goes to three and a half for sure. Yeah. If not 3.75. And I do not see the 10-year the staying at 3.0 like it is today when that happens. No, me neither. 
Right. So that I, 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 again, I'm not saying a macroeconomic thing. I'm just saying the Federal Reserve System is going to crank 100 basis points on the Fed funds. It will one for one at least be reflected in the tenure. And that will tank stocks from here for sure. Yeah. On the so short again, term. So it's just against the difference. Another thing people need to understand is financial markets and, and stock markets, you know, and the economy are two different subjects. They actually have their own stories too. Okay. So I am bearish uh, on stocks for the next three months. Okay. But I'm not actually thinking yet the economy will tank because I think. It's still to be determined that the interest rate sensitive elements of the economy are going to roll over the rest of it, because I think there's other dynamics playing out that we've already discussed. Now, do you think you should just stay on the sidelines then? Like if you do sell some of these winners, should you just stay in cash, kind of see what happens? I know, you know, the sentiment out there is keep some cash because it's going to going to decline again and then, you know, buy then. Yeah, I'm, I'm with that sentiment. I mean, I think you got to play okay. both sides. I've done this for the last few months. You know, have some yeah. stuff because you're they're going to get these rallies, and then you just want to be in some stocks. Uh, but you also want to make sure that you you know don't panic. Get, make sure your cash is much higher than normal uh, because you're going to get a chance. Not a, not a perfect chance. Unfortunately, people think it's a perfect chance. That's not the case. Yeah. But because the market looks forward 12 months and it may just decide to ignore everything the Fed does. Nobody really knows that's going to happen. But, you know, in general, you should be ready for, you know, better prices than now. I mean, again, right now, we've got to remind ourselves that uh, there's always two sides to buying and selling stocks. And markets look far ahead. And it's entirely possible that we can get 100 basis points out of the Fed and you know, September, November, and the stocks rally because they look beyond it. Yeah, for sure. I could definitely but, see that. Know, in advance of this reporting, uh, do I, would I bet against that? You know, no, because I think it's material and it really will. I just have a trouble believing it won't. But there is an argument and a strong one that it, they will, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because the real question then remains, well, what does the Fed do after these rate hikes and this is as i spoke to some other people about it's really tough because it really becomes a question of how long do they stay at that level uh you know do they stay at 3.75 for all of 2023 or do they move it around so my my first answer is they'll probably stay at 375 or so as a pause for six months okay and then we'll see and they will see and they will be data dependent. And in six months, which will be, you know, May, April, June of 2023, they're going to have to face down what to do from there with their rate structure. And that will be determined by the price levels that are showing at that time. And, you know, we'll, we'll find out. More dilemmas to come. <laughs> yeah, the other thing we need to point out for people, the Federal Reserve System meets eight times a year. It's not bogus. They yeah. really do meet. They bring data to the table. They run their models eight times, if not more. And it's done in 13 or 12 different groups, you know, including New York and the Washington Fed and all the regional areas, plus private people. And they just keep updating. And that there is, in this fluid environment, more data dependence than less data dependence. So they really, really will pay attention. Um, is there any sector you're particularly watching to buy on the next dip? Yeah, I think, you know, you've got to like the mid caps and you've got to like, um, 
I think the industrials because you know you got a nice play for the material stocks coming down, and I think you've got a decent place for them to start benefiting from it. And they're kind of the hidden story. Um, but that's all I really have. I don't think there's a lot going on because I think most of everything will be, you know, kind of compressed. But one of the concerning things you get out there, I was just reading about OPEC monthly August report, and you know, it, the number of regions of the world economy, the world economy that are one percent growth rates is pretty dramatic. Europe yeah. is somewhere one percent growth rate. Brazil is at a one percent growth rate. Japan is at a 1% growth rate. Not surprising, but it's, it is not strong there. And then you have China, which is actually not in good shape either. So, right. and then the United States is probably going to book a 1% growth rate. So, yeah. um, it's kind of concerning to see so much of the world economy at a 1% growth rate. But then the flip side of it is, well, it's certainly not putting too much pressure on all these prices anymore, right? Right. Right. Uh, so in some respects, I mean, if everybody's thrown a Fed chair pile under the bus because he came late to the rate hiking thing, but he got a lot of benefits out of the Ukrainian thing and the COVID pandemic policies of China and a lot of other things that played out in Titan for him anyways. Right. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not in the United States. Okay. Well, we covered a lot on this episode. It's always interesting. Thanks for coming on, John, because, uh, you know, this is a tricky time. It has been all year for investors, you know, trying to figure out the Fed and the economy and <laughs> what's going on out there. Um, so I'm sure, you know, we'll be talking again in the next couple of months as we get closer to the end of the year to see what's developing here. And in the meantime, let me recap the stocks we talked about on this episode. So we talked about numerous of the retailers. They've had a big rally here, but they are reporting some solid earnings reports and even outlook into the holiday season now, which is fast approaching. I know it's hard to believe, but it is. And those were Williams and Sonoma, ticker WSM, Deckers, that's the UGG shoes, Deckers, D-E-C-K, Crocs. Also in the shoe area, C-R-O-X, Dick's Sporting Goods, D-K-S. Then we talked about a couple of the Fangman stocks, Microsoft, M-S-F-T, Apple, A-A-P-L, and Netflix all rallying N-F-L-X. And as always, be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode of The Market Edge. You can get us on SoundCloud. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, and just about anywhere you can get the podcasts. But be sure to get us, and I'll see you again next week with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.